Before you take your seats this morning, I want to read this passage to you real quick. We're going to Hebrews, faith chapter, chapter 11, 1 through 7. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. How many know it's the unseen that matters first? By faith, Abel offered God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and though it, he being dead, still speaks. Remember we talked about legacy? Because of his faithfulness, faithfulness because even though his flesh is dead his faith still keeps his legacy alive because it was faithful and pleasing to God verse 5 by faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him for before he was taken he had this testimony that pleased God he pleased God did you know God wants you to please him that God has feelings God is not some robot with a lightning bolt in the sky Did you know that? That God has feelings, that we were made in the image of his likeness, and that everything we feel is because he gave it to us? It helps when we think he doesn't understand when we realize he made us, and he understands it all, and then some. But faith, everybody say, but without faith, excuse me, it is impossible to please him. It is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. But without faith, it is impossible to please God, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that's not a question, that's a statement, and that he is, that's not a question, that's a statement, a rewarder of those who diligently, no, not not lackadaisical, not, not comfortably, diligently seek his face. Like Noah, verse 7, by faith Noah, being divinely warned of the things of God, not yet seen, not yet seen, moved with godly fear, a fear like a child fears his parent, not a scaredy cat fear like they're going to hurt me, like they love me so much, I want to do what they say because I'm fearful of the consequences without them. So a godly fear, he prepared an ark, that's crazy faith, for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. It took faith. Crazy faith. Y'all can be seated this morning, touch your neighbor, tell them it's a faith thing. It's a faith thing. I don't know if I got so much faith for this guy. He's really fired up this morning. (laughs) Oh, I love it. My subject this morning is steeping faith. Steeping. If y'all do Facebook, if you could check in, that'd be awesome. If you're new here, we're so glad to have you. We're doing things in this St. Charles County 1C church is rooting seeds. Somebody said, why do you call it one seed? So I was trying to like keep it simple because I'm like, what do you mean? And I forgot, it's, it's been in my head for year, you know three years. Because one seed turned the world upside down, Jesus Christ, the seed of David, the only seed conquered death. And that one seed revealed an opportunity for us to become millions of seeds, just like Jacob became Israel. Jacob was one seed who became 
Israel. God renamed it Israel, and then he had 12 seeds. They call them sons, and then those became 12 tribes, and those became lots of seeds. And soon the seeds multiplied into millions, and the harvest was plentiful, but the laborers are still few to this day. One seed. We also believe that you can give the word of God in a little tangible seed. People today, they've got Google if they need a data dump. They need application. They don't know how to apply data. They need, a, they need a seed that they can take into their Monday versus a data dump that they check out with. At least that's, that's what my problem was in church is I, would, I was like a cat with a foil ball. I was like, whoo, what's going on? I don't remember the thing the preacher said. So I said, how can I give it that I could receive it? Because if I could receive it, probably anybody can. So I said, one seed at a time. Discover God's perfect plan. Extending the love of Jesus Christ one seed at a time is the vision and mission of One Seed Church. So in case you all wondering thought I'd throw that out there. But my point to say all that was if you're new, come see us three times in a row and you'll be family. God will change your life. It's not a maybe. He will. If you diligently seek him, you come three times, you're going to see that we got nothing but genuine love for y'all. There's no self-gain in this place. It's for him. It's for him. Hallelujah for that. So um, last night I was looking at this message. I, I, I kind of like do a a briefing of the message, even though I wrote it weeks ago, and then I kind of, I go back and refresh it, and I look at it, and I make some adjustments, and Colton walks in about 8.22 p.m., and I call him macho man sometimes, because like, he did. You know, Randy Savage, anybody remember, the macho man? Yeah. Snap it to a Slim Jim. All you guys are like, oh, Slim Jim, yeah, I know that guy. All you millennials, well, us, whatever generation we are, Michelle, we call him the macho man from the WWF. And Colton comes in, he did. Can we have tea time? After your message, preparation. Colton, I'm, I'm, writing, I'm writing the zen, bro. I'm writing the anointing. Could you have to interrupt me? We did. Can we have tea time after? Yeah. I said, sure, bud. Sure. See, see, um, see I, do you have to have an English accent to say tea time? Do you have to do that? I don't, I don't know. This is what I think of. It's weird, and I know it's probably stereotyping somebody. I don't mean to, but it's just what, I, what I've learned. And so, and so at nighttime, so one time we went to this hotel, right, and I went to the lobby because I was trying to get focus, you know, so I went where there was a ton of people because I was trying to get focus, but they had a fire going, and I said, can you, can you bring me some tea? Can you bring me a cup of tea and some nuts? Yeah, I said, do you have any nuts? I'm from St. Louis. I don't know about hotels like this. Do you have nuts? That's really how I said it. She says, sure, pastor, here you go. It's on the house. I said, bless you. The Lord is, the Lord is in this place. Do I got to pay for that? Do I got to tip you? Anyway, so, so she brings the, the nuts and the tea, and I just had this moment with the nuts and tea. I know it sounds totally stupid, and you're like, why did I come here today? But the point is, so, so I came home from New York, and I went out to Amazon, go figure, and I bought a nice wooden tray, and I bought the white cups, the little white cups, the dainty ones, with the saucers, because it had to be like the hotel. I was trying to recreate the vibe, you see. See, when you've felt it, you want to recreate it. And sometimes the feelings come and go, but you know, if you can recreate it with Amazon, go for it. So I got the little white cups, even though we have 500 coffee cups, I didn't want that. I wanted the little cups, the white ones, you know, like they put, they put at breakfast on the buffet when you get the free whatever at the Hampton Inn or whatever. And so I got that and I got the saucers and it's all white and then we got all the teas. And of course, Michelle had to go crazy and buy 500 types of teas. Dear God, she's a teaholic. Anyway, and then we bought some nuts. So I got a little tray for the nuts that matches the cups. Is that weird? 
So I got the little nut tray. It's white porcelain. I got the cup and I got the saucers. And me, Colton, Taz, Macho Man, whatever he, you want to call him, uh, Michelle, Kaylee, and Chloe always have tea several, several times a week, usually right before bedtime. And we bring the tray up, and I carry it, from, I carry it like when I used to wait tables over my head like to get some practice there. And they think I'm going to drop it. I said, no, that's how you do it, son. And I carry it over my head, and I almost drop it down our steps. And we have tea time. We have tea time. It's, it's like a therapy for me and maybe for you. I don't know what it is to the kids, but it, it's a moment to clear my head. It's a moment to just relax in the moment, regain focus. But when you think about the tea bag, the tea, what does tea do in hot water? Come on, somebody. Y'all awake? It steeps. Steep, not like this. It steeps. When you steep tea, if you watch it, not to get all biological, Damon, that sermon's coming. But, you know, you see a little bit of the tea coming out into the water. But if you don't stir the tea, nothing happens. Otherwise, you have water and you have tea. And not until you stir the tea does it become one. Okay? So I was thinking about tea, and I thought, this is just so deep. And I was thinking about faith, and I was thinking about Faith that steeps, like what if your faith was brewing something, like steeping, getting richer as it invests in something, you know? Like in the, in the living water, as, as, as your faith steeps in the living water of God, if it gets richer. And I want to ask you today, if, if faith was a necessity to prove the witness of God's love in your life, how long would you let it steep in order for something of substance to be revealed, something flavorful? I mean, the worst thing you can do with tea is not let it steep long enough, and then it's just water. So the worst thing you do with your faith is cut it short because it didn't fit what you thought. It didn't look how you thought. See, the fruit of, the fruit of faith is what often is not evident in the short term or even in the long term according to our own foreknowledge of how we think it should be, but God so loved us that should we trust him in a way we could never trust ourselves, we may see God do something especially unique, unequivocal, and amazing in our lives and the lives we influence. So don't shortchange your experience with God because you rush the process according to your own timing, understanding, and expectations. I expected more, Vincent. I'm out of here. Yes, where's Derek? Today you may be wondering, where is God? Is this faith thing worth investing in? But my word for somebody today, who needs a word today? Come on, somebody. That's good. We all do. Amen, sister. I don't know where it came from, but we all do. My word for somebody today is when your faith feels like it's running out, let it steep a little longer. Touch your neighbor, tell them, let it steep. And also... Don't forget to stir it. Don't forget to stir it. You can steep all day, but until you stir it, it doesn't become one. Some of y'all have been living with a nice steeped tea that's never been stirred. You got to stir it. See, faith is rooted in the unseen and even more so in the things I don't always understand or expect. That's usually when faith seems to really shine, right? It's in the things I don't like. It's in the tests I don't like. But here's, here's what's interesting, is it says that faith is a substance of things hoped for. That's a deep word. It's substance. 
No, faith, you know, faith, we, faith is believing in something you can't see, and that's the extent of it, right? No, it's deeper than that. It's substance. It's tangible. There's substance in something you can't see. It says faith is the substance of things hoped for. So what that means is if you don't have faith, you can't have hope. And if you don't have hope, you can't have faith. They work together because faith is what gives you the ability to know there's an answer before you know what it is. Faith keeps you going when you don't have a solution. When the world says you're going to catch that thing, go buy the 3M8511 N95 protection respiratory mask. They're all sold out. The world says go buy it, but it says, wait a second, what about my faith? Y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. That's all right. Maybe some of you do. (laughs) We forget our faith and rely on a mask. We forget our faith and sometimes rely on lockdown. I'm not saying don't be practical, but don't forget your faith. Because it's first. God created the heavens. He can rectify the sickness. He can rectify the disease. He can rectify any type of quarantine he needs to do. He can make it right. But there's substance in faith. And if you go deeper with faith, this thing of faith, it's who we are. It's what we're made of. There's substance in us. And we put our faith in something. And what we put our faith in is what comes out in the way we talk in the way we live, in the way we act. And so we've, we've built up the substance of what others can't see in us that produces essentially who we are. Sometimes people put their faith in the wrong thing, like the rich man. Remember that one? He was faithful just in the wrong thing. It matters. And substance is deeper than what's on the surface. It says faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the tangible core nucleus of what brings hope. And it's deep down in you when you have it. That's what Jesus was. Jesus was not just flesh. He was the word made flesh, the plan of redemption. He was the Holy Spirit of God in action, coming to fruition in a tangible fleshly shell. But whether the shell was there or not, the spirit lives forever. That was the substance of who Christ was. You can't separate him from the spirit. You can't separate the flesh from God. He was who he says. His word is who he is. What he spoke was who he is. You can't say my word said it. Well, I said that. My word said it. I didn't say that. Your words are spirit and they are life. Jesus was the word, an expression of God in time and space. And so we understand understand that the substance of everything God is came in this body of Christ is deeper. Faith is a little deeper. Our understanding of faith is a little deeper. We start seeing God as what he really was. He was the bridegroom and God presenting himself to his church as a bride and that we can be as a bridegroom and we can be the bride as his church and that there's a marriage and there's a deep conception thing happening when we become one and we blend in with the water. We get stirred. It takes a stirring for that to happen, to have it come together. But by, we under, by faith in our, our sanctification walk, we learn that relationship between God and us. We, we get it. It's not so much just he's this guy that died on a cross. Okay, he's this expression of God's love greater than we could ever comprehend. It's deeper. There's substance to it. There's substance to the word of God. It's not a fiction book. Oh, I read the book in one year. No, you didn't. You think you did. The word is alive. 
And you have to keep revisiting and revisiting. And God will give you new revelation upon new revelation. And the moment you think you have it all figured out, that's when God says, you better look again. It's alive. And you never want to get the Pharisee mindset with the word of God. You always want to stay humble because the moment you have it figured out is the moment you start drifting. Because there's only one and he has no counselor. When I started pastoring, I was a musician. Go figure. I never preached before. And my biggest fear was preaching and not giving any substance. If we don't have any substance, it's just rice cakes. So used to, y'all remember in the early days, probably Nate does or Debbie does or Jen does. I'd say, we don't want rice cakes. We want meat because we need substance. So my biggest fear, and the devil is the father of lies. He says, you don't, you're just going to give them some rice cakes. They'll never come back. And I said, it's not about me. I said, God, just give me enough that I can give substance. And that was my fear. But over time, my faith grew. I quit worrying about it, bae. I quit worrying about it because I said, God, you have to be in it. You have to bring the substance. Your word is alive. There's nothing I can fabricate to give them substance. God's word is alive, and that is the meat. So if I can just be used by you, God, I believe you'll do the rest. I went from taking anxiety medicine the first six months, which I had taken half my life, believe it or not. Even though I grew up doing music, I still took anxiety pills because I shake so bad. After six months, I quit taking them and never had them since. And I'm not looking for a pat on the back. I'm saying it was up here. See, I was doubtful and fearful, and that's what creates panic. Anxiety is panic. It's your mind playing tricks on you. And when you let the devil know that panic is a thing that bothers you, he's going to try to stir you with every scary. He's going to tell you to sell everything, do nothing, hide in your house, don't do anything with your life. It's good enough. Just watch it online. Oh, the Internet don't work. Just play patty cake with somebody. It doesn't matter. Just do nothing. That's a lie. Your time is short. Did you know we've been here three months? Today. Come on, somebody. Hey. Three months in the theater. Three months. It feels like it's been a week. But it's three months today, December 1st. And so time goes so quick. And so it's very vital. And it's my job as a pastor to be, keep it real. And that there is substance in this. And there is deeper levels to this. And it's not just a Sunday morning thing. It's a life thing. And until you go deeper into the substance of the word of God, you're going to miss the revelation. You're going to miss the promise. You don't need to come to church for a pat on the back. God already says, I got you. Get in my word. Get in my word. You looked apart, that's good. I'm not judging y'all. Y'all perfect saints. I'm saying like people, right? I'm talking to myself too. You don't know how I've looked in the car before. After being tired, driving a couple hours. Nate, I need to put a Bible in there. I can get ugly. I'm slowly outgrowing it. Took two decades, but but I have to remember, we have to remember the substance is where it's at in our faith. That faith is so deep that we cannot survive without real, tangible, substantial faith. And it's rooted in unseen things. And in things I don't like. I don't like to be tested. That's when you know if your faith is real. 
It's easy to preach good when everything is good. But it's hard to preach good when you're running out of money or you're stressed because someone's sick or this or that or someone's dying and you don't know. It's easy to proclaim the word of God as a, as a church person and we just say it's all good, God is good, yay. But when you're tested, you start going, do I believe this? You know, John the Baptist who proclaimed the way of the Lord, make his path straight, the one who comes after me, I'm not worthy to lose, lose his shoes. He was playing before me, but here he is. You know, when it came down to it, he's like, are you really the Christ? When he was about to get his head cut off. You remember that? He started second-guessing his faith. You know, he was cousins, too. He was even blood with Jesus, with J-Dog. He was, he was blood, and he still questioned, are you really him? I just want to be sure because I'm about to, you know, lose my head, and they're going to put it on a plate, and it's not going to look good. So I want to make sure because now I'm starting to doubt and fear. Fear combats faith. I'm not talking about godly fear. Godly fear leads you to faith. Fear of man, though, fear of, the, fear of the enemy combats faith. What I say the other day, it was good. Sometimes I got to go look at my own social posts and go, oh, that was good. I should use that. Fear can be a catalyst to be great, but it's, it's, it's controlling it. When you panic and you run, you fail every time. This is just in life. This has nothing to do with church per se. This is in your walk with God. This is in anything you seek to create, business, relationships, anything. You have to leverage fear and contain it because it can stir you just enough to start really doing something. But it needs to push you in the direction of faithfulness. It shouldn't push you away. That's when fear is controlling you. And so faith defeats that kind of fear. It's easy to be like that person who knows King James really good. Well, thee, thou, and though, and iniquity, and other King James words. Iniquity, what's some other ones? And thouest doest as if you shouldeth. Something. I don't know. I went to New King James a couple years ago, and now I've lost it all. But you know, there, some of those people are like a total hot mess during the week. Like, why would I look to you for inspiration? Because you can quote it good, but your life says nothing that, says, that, that doesn't match. There's something's out of line. Your, your life doesn't match. I want to see active faith. That's what I'm starving for. I've had enough of this in my life. It's everywhere. Everybody can say something. Let's see someone do something and mean it. Yeah, amen. We can clap for that. You know, there's a scarcity of authentic people in the world. What are you going to be? It's a choice. So there's substance in faith. The second thing it says, it says, I love this, the, the, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, and it's proof, evidence of things not seen. Y'all believe in wind? You know the Bible refers to the Spirit of God like wind? Can you see wind? No, but you see the evidence of it. When the leaves move, something moved them. When, when something, you know, when, when, when a tornado comes and the house is missing, something did that. It's wind. So you see the fruits of it. You don't have to see it with this to know it exists. There's evidence in it, and that's what faith is. It's the evidence of things not seen. We have a cool service on Sunday mornings because of all the things you don't see, like the setup, scene, setup team busting their tail week after week and the greeters preparing for the, for the people coming who did the, the plan your visit and all the, the preparation of the lessons and all the, all the stuff that no one sees that produces this. It's evidence in the unseen. That's what creates 
the scene. Remember he said, he said, um, where is it? Verse three, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. It's the unseen that creates what you see here. That's a plug to all the volunteers, so let's give them a praise real quick. Come on, guys. It's what makes church. It's what makes one seed church. This is the fruit of it. They are the wind. This is the leaves blowing. Get it? They are the wind making the leaves blow. They are the wind behind the Sunday morning expression of our faithfulness to God. They are the evidence. And faith will satisfy what the world can. There's a deeper joy in real faith. There's a deeper love and there's a deeper purpose in faith because it's evident. There's things God can do to you that no one will ever understand, but God does. And it's the only evidence you need. That's the only evidence you need. But what's cool about faith is it will become apparent through you when you are faithful and others will see God in the process. Again, you're like the wind blowing. And when you blow for God, when you blow, you, when you blow the wind like God blows the wind, people will say there's something different about them. I think I see God. They're seeing the fruits of your faithfulness revealing Jesus. It's evident. It's evident. Faith is rooted in the unseen and even more so in the things I don't always expect or understand or like. It needs to be stirred. The tea's no good unless it's stirred. You need a test. You need to be tested. You need a benchmark once in a while to see where you're really at. I'm not saying we should live a life of misery, but if your faith isn't tested, what kind of faith do you have? How do you know? How do you know? So our faith needs to be stirred once in a while so we can become one. Because when you really hit a rough spot and you're really in a test, you're going to become like John and go, okay, what do I really believe here? Okay, they say this is an epidemic or something. This could kill me and this and this. But wait a second. How much faith do I really have that God is going to lead me in a path that will protect me? How much faith do I really have that not only will I take practical steps, but it's him guiding my steps? Did I forget that? Did I forget that? Do I need to panic like everybody else? Or do I remember where I'm strong? I don't need to boast because my strength is in Jesus. So if I remember where my strength is, I remember my substance, and I can sustain off real meat because faith is substance of things hoped for and evidence of that which is not seen. And I can't forget my faith, but I need a test to know it's real, to know it's alive. My kids, they watch... Um, weird stuff on tablets. And they say, they, Colton always says, rubbish. I'm like, what country are you from? And he's like, this is rubbish, Dad. By the way, he's seven. And um, now Kaylee comes up to him and says, Dad, or Colton, it's rubbish. This church thing's rubbish. She didn't say that. I'm paraphrasing here. It's rubbish. See, what you think was rubbish and a waste two years ago. I don't understand why those people get excited. I don't understand why they pray. I don't see no fruits of it. I don't see nothing good except a bunch of people getting excited and working themselves up. No, because you don't know the Bible, because the Bible says those are the things which have the most value, the things that aren't seen. And until you believe in the root of what the substance is, which is the unseen, you will never see the fruits of what is seen. Lazarus didn't raise from the dead because Jesus needed to show you something. He was actually showing that he was the resurrection. 
But they were missing it. So he wept because he was so disappointed, I think, that he had to raise his friend who was already good to go. And I had to bring him back. Oh, he was so sad for Lazarus. No, he's saying, you don't understand what I'm really trying to show you is that I am the resurrection. So I got to do this. Take up your bed and walk. Come out of the tomb. But I said, your sins be forgiven. And you said, that's worthless. Rubbish. It's backwards. It's backwards. Embrace the process. Anything that is good takes time. You want your faith to be strong? It takes time. What were we talking about the other day? I was telling my dad something. I said, oh, I'm working on some other sermon. We were having coffee or something. And I said, it's real easy to like change for a minute. What's hard is to stay changed. It's real easy to get fired up at church. Man, that was so good. Praise the Lord. See you next week. And then forget everything on Monday morning. It's much harder to actually stay consistent. It's like the guy who wins the belt in the ultimate fighting championship. He's the champion not until he defends the belt. Because that shows he can sustain the level he's at, that there was real change behind it. We can all get excited for a minute, but God wants you to change forever. He doesn't want you to change for a day. It's not a Sunday show. We call it Sunday fun day, but that's just a gimmick to get you in the house of God. So I can tell you there is really a heaven and a hell, and God wants you to send you to heaven. He wants you to give you all yourself to him, all of it. But I got to play the game. It's soft. I soften it up. Give it one seed at a time. Because if you dump a bucket of seeds on people, they don't understand, they run. So we're trying to teach people the word of God, and God will give the increase. It's not a game, though. Keeping change is much harder. But you'll be doing things that you thought were rubbish, just like Colton and Kaylee, and now you're like, I love it. I love Joy FM. I thought that was the worst music ever 10 years ago, and now I love Joy FM. That's all I listen to. For real. For real. That's all I listen to. Open up the heavens. We want to see. My kids go to sleep to it. It's really annoying because they know all the songs, all the, all the artists, and they're like, Dad, I heard it three times. Do we have to listen, listen to it on the drive home from, you know, the lake? And I said, well, that's your problem for sleeping to the music. Turn it off. Be brave. Now they're scared to not have the music playing. <laughs> but the return is in the process. And if you want to see your faithfulness brew, get richer, you got to stir it. You need to stir. You got to stir it sometimes. That's how you see what's in there. Come on out into the water. Remember, we use that hibiscus, and it's really red. It's like the blood of Jesus. And when you tip that hibiscus in there for just a minute, it's still really watery water. But if you just keep watching it, you see the blood of Jesus. I know that's kind of weird, but I'm just telling you, it'll stick with you. It's just kind of, it's just kind of oozing out in like a powdery form in the water. But then you stir that thing. Boom, the whole thing is red, red, red. It's become one. That's where Jesus wants you to take your faith, to become one, to blend it, to blend it together, that there's no more a separation between you and him, that when you've been conceived by the spirit of the living God, that you have become one with Christ and now are the arms and feet. That's why they call you the body. He is the head. We are the arms. We are the feet. It's really kind of cool God was so smart that he fabricated the entire thing, pieced it together so perfectly that we could take his place. We're talking about tea. Who likes herbal tea? One, two people, three. Who likes Sprite? Come on. 
who likes uh, Slurpees? Let me say it like this. Who likes Slurpees better than herbal tea? Okay, everybody, because it's sweeter. Isn't it sad, though, what's good for you often doesn't taste the same? And you got to develop a taste for it. You know, it's like coffee. I didn't drink coffee till I was struggling so bad, and I was working with my brother and my dad, and I was like, ah, 16 years old. I said, just give it to me black, but put some sugar in it, because it tastes awful. Well, that's how herbal tea was. Michelle, she used to do the Splenda and the agave and the sugar and the sweet and low and the whatever else, aspartame, aspartame, aspartame. I said, drink it straight. Be brave. So I drink the herbal tea straight, and she, she sweetened it. But now she drinks it straight too. The kids drink it straight. No sweetener. See, the sweetener of the world softens the substance of what God's trying to put in your tea. Y'all with me? Come on, somebody. It just makes me feel I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and gosh, heck, I can't say gosh darn, people like me. You know what I'm saying? It's so good because it doesn't taste good at first, it's, but the healthiest things for you don't taste good at first. They take time to develop a new taste. And then all of a sudden, when you get off the 21-day fast and you go back to that box of Valentine's chocolates or whatever, you're like, woo, too sweet. I don't want this chip, this Lay's chip. It's so salty, I think my tongue fall out my head. You know, it's so salty. It's because your taste has changed. You have changed. You're no longer giving up what you thought you had to give up. You don't want it no more. And that's what happens to your heart with sanctification and real rooted faith is it, it brews and it gets stirred. And all of a sudden you're talking about Jesus and you're doing things for Jesus and you're listening to the Joy FM and you're saying, hey, let's, can we pray over this food? I kind of want to give God thanks, you know, like you're changing before you know it because God is building something in your garden. There's a real reward waiting for you. There's a real reward waiting in heaven for you. But you got to believe it. And you got to believe that he wants to reward you. It didn't say he'll just reward everybody. It says without faith, without faith. Everybody say this. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You must believe he's a rewarder. It didn't say he'll just reward you. You must believe. You step, I step. Thanks for the thing on the wall, Mike. I love it. He made me a thing. And on the back, he wrote a sermon quote from like a year ago. You step, I step. See, it's stuck with him. And it's on my wall, but it's hidden. It's not seen. But that's where the substance of what you made is. It's on the back. And I know about it. And you about know about it. And God knows about it. But no one else knows about it. That's where the substance of what, this is just a side note. He made me this cool, like, branded Gwaltney plank of wood. That, it's like a decor. It goes on the wall. And on the back, he wrote a scripture, and he wrote, you step, I step. See, he remembers that faith takes steps. And as a pastor, I'm just like, whoa, yes. Somebody repeating it. It's getting in there. It's stirring the soil. It's stirring the cup. It's becoming one. So I see it, and I feel it. And when you felt it, you know how to tell somebody else that they're feeling it too. Because you know what it feels like. So anyway, I just, I just hung that this, this past week. So thanks, Mike. Love it. The reward is real. 
The reward is real. Faith is rooted in the unseen and even more so in the things I don't always expect or understand and I don't necessarily like, but I'm going to deal with it because I believe he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Diligently, step by step. Hey, we missed a cable. It's diligent. Hey, we did this wrong. Hey, it's diligent. We're working out kinks. The details matter. We're working it out, Nate. We work it out. We're diligent about the process because the details matter. And God wants you to be diligent about your pursuit for his love over your life that though it's grace and he'll just give it to you he wants you to come after him like a lost sheep just begging for the shepherd God I need you I want you I believe you have something for me and I want to see change God I'm tired of being this way the reward is real if y'all could stand this morning it's real Rome wasn't built in a day don't sweat it My yoke is easy. My burden is light, Jesus said. Small little adjustments. One seed at a time. Just make an adjustment here, an adjustment there. Just try something new today. Just try something new tomorrow and stick with it for 21 days. They say that makes a habit. Just little changes will give the increase. God will change your whole life so fast. You weren't meant to change it without him. The reward is real. Don't give up on God because he never gave up on you. He never gave up on you when you cursed him. He never gave up on you when you turned your back on him. He never gave up on you no matter what. He never gave up on you before you even believed he was. It doesn't matter to him because it's unconditional. And he loves his children that much. He loves them that much. When you have doubt... That's the best time to let your faith steep a little longer. When you have doubt, it's the best time to let your faith steep a little longer. When you have doubt, let your faith steep and then stir it a bit. Go put yourself in some hot water. Go see what some hot water feels like. I didn't know I could swim until I had to tread some water. Come on, somebody. Give him some praise right now. If you've got a need today, just reach up to the heavens and say, God, I want it. I'm ready. I'm tired of being the same. I'm tired of not changing. I'm tired of feeling good on Sunday, and I want to be changed forever. Let's pray. Let's keep it going. Let's keep it going. We're going to pray real quick. We're going to pray for those who lifted their hands right now. If you have a need today, don't be worried about it. Don't be worried about anything except lift your hands to the heaven. And God, we say right now, touch those who are being brave, who are being diligent, who are coming to you wholeheartedly, who are seeking you diligently. They're tired of waiting. They say, I'm not going to wait any longer. I'm coming for you now, God. Give me everything you have for me, Jesus. Help me go into my week knowing that you will carry the weight and there is no circumstance that I can't I can't live with because you have got the weight of it. You will rid me of all my worries and all my burdens and I cast all my cares on you. And if the house of God could say, in Jesus' name, amen.